Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! (laughs) I'm Louisa Barton from the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're baling Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. This half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world. I have Dr. Adam Kayot, been on the show with us before, uh, sitting with me. We're going to talk about um, something close to home for me. Uh, when you should retire your horse, I say never. Dr. Kayot probably doesn't agree with me. My horse is 34 and still going strong. Of course, he's in good hands. Uh, he is a patient of Peterson and Smith himself. Uh, I've had him with me for 26 years, and he still likes to go about five or six miles on the beach or the trail. Dr. Kayot, thoughts on when you should retire your horse? Well, it's a difficult situ- You know, it's a difficult subject, and it can be a you know a touchy subject depending on the owner um, because. Some people, you know, have a hard time of letting go, excuse me, letting go of, um, you know, their, their buddy, right? Then their friend and their companion and what they used to do and what they would do, you know, with the horse and that sort of thing. It's very individualized per horse. Um, you know, obviously you have a 34 year old that still goes five, six miles a day and, you know, and. And a lot of that has to do with, number one, just genetic makeup of the horse. Number two, how a, a 34-year-old a thirty-four-year-old horse is not the same across the board. Some 34-year-olds don't have as much miles on the tires as, you know, others. And that plays a certain role. And um, so, so those are things that you should think of. Um, I tend to when people ask me that question, is it time to retire my horse? I look at number one, what was the horse doing? You know, I had, I looked at a polo pony yesterday and polo pony was 18 and those guys have a tough life. That's a hard job. That's, that's a, that's a hard, stressful job on the, on the horse's legs. And, and there aren't many polo ponies that make it to 34 years old, you know, playing not any probably. And, and this, this particular one was 18 years old and, you know, had a, had a, had a bad suspensory in the front leg and a, 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 a torn superficial flexor tendon in, in the, in the back leg. And, you know, at that point you kind of say, okay, is this worth going on with the horse? And, and these owners are very responsible owners and they want to do what's best for the, you know, um, the, re- even though the, the, the pony was a, a good plain pony, um, you know, she decided that this is the time. And, and I agreed with her because 
when things start breaking, they just continue to break, that sort of thing. So that kind of comes into, into play, I think. I think if, if you're trying to perform with this animal and stuff continue, continues to go wrong, they're having injuries and that are occurring more frequently, um, and, uh, doing what they have always done, then you need to, you need to seriously consider am I being fair, you know, and, and, and that can be a very difficult, you know, a difficult question to ask yourself because, you know, everybody can be a little selfish at some points and they want to, you know, they want to continue the good times and, and, and everything that they've had with their friends. So, um, it, it makes it hard, but when people come to me and ask those questions, I try to, um, take take as much of the whole picture into account as I can and say, well, let's see what's happening here. What problems are we having? Are these problems reoccurring? And are they reoccurring because this horse is not able to do his job anymore? Now, a question. For example, I have another older horse who's 27, and he hasn't been ridden very much in the last year. Actually, I texted you about him the other day. Um, and he's been getting down on the ground and having trouble getting back up. And I think some of that may be due to loss of muscle tone in his rear end because he seems weaker in the rear end from not being ridden very much. Is it really important with an older horse, especially if you're retiring it from sort of a major job where it's been ridden quite a lot, which is obviously keeping its, you know, keeping it strong and fit is it important then if you do retire a horse from a sport to not just let that horse be turned out and go and is it important to keep up some form of exercise in order to keep that horse fit and keep some muscle tone to help it age and retire at least and and still be healthy absolutely you know it's just like it's just like people you know um the fitness is is great for people and it's great for your equine athletes and 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 if you can maintain some level of of fitness, um, the the rest of their life, it does prolong their ability to um, live a full, healthy, happy life. If you can, if you can exercise, it's just like a, it's just like a person or an old man. If that if that older gentleman can go to the gym and still keep up some muscle tone, even though they might be in their sixties, seventies, eighties, um that helps so much because then you don't have the problems of, of them getting up when they lay down or a person getting out of bed and trying to dress themselves or, you know, a horse trying to be with his buddies around. They're less likely to, to get injured. They're, they're, they maintain their muscle tone. And, that, and that's really difficult. That's what we see in old horses as they deteriorate or as they age, their body deteriorates. They're, they're, digestive system becomes less efficient in converting calories to body mass they start losing muscle tone and and at some point it makes it very difficult to get that back or to reverse the course and and um you know if if you're continuing to lose muscle mass then typically they they become too heavy and they can't support their body. They can't support the skeleton. So depending on how much muscle mass you, you lose. But if you can keep them in some sort of activity, not just walking around the field, but some sort of activity, even light riding or that sort of thing, that helps. And that helps prolong, you know, the, the life of the animal and the useful life of the animal. Um, 
it's uh, they don't necessarily have to be doing high goal polo their whole life. But if you just get out and and you know and um, you know trot the horse around or get on and 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 do you know light trail riding or something like that, all of that helps. I know you know I know there are some some farms that that uh, thoroughbred farms that they have their stallions and even though the stallion is retired from racing they still take them out and they work them daily and you know it keeps that keeps that muscle tone it keeps them in good shape and and it would do the same same to your horse so absolutely um they don't necessarily have to be doing big grand prix jumps or anything like that take it back a notch take it down a notch put it put their exercise level into a box that they can do comfortably and if you have the ability and time to do that that would certainly help them so even if turned out in the field just being able to jump on them a few times a week maybe and just keeping them going keeping them moving just like an older person the more you move the less likely you're to get stiff um, and I find my older horses do better turned out than in the stall they tend to get stocked up in the stall so I think being turned out is is often much better for older horses if possible if you can do that absolutely because um, it, it just keeps the elasticity in the muscle it keeps them you know it keeps the 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 they aren't just standing in one place using the same muscles over and over again while the while the other ones the activity muscles are getting neglected that sort of thing so if you're able to do that and they can be outside horses are meant to be outside that's what they're meant to be i mean that's that's the typical that's the best spot for them if, if they can be and so yeah Wonderful. I'm here with Dr. Adam Kayot at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. I hope you enjoyed this segment, Best of the Best Reruns. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard, alfalfa. Enjoy. See you in the next segment.
Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. This half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show, and we're here at the Cassie Training Center with Canadian Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie, who just won the Preakness with War of Will at Pimlico Racetrack. We're very excited for him. Uh, the training center here in Ocala is just incredible. And I'm going to ask him uh, just a few questions about uh, War of Will and his journey so far. Mark, it's lovely to have you back with us. Tell us a little bit about the story about War of Will uh, not reaching the 175 mark at Keeneland and going to England and then to France and then ending up with Justin and, and then coming to, to your training center. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. So he was bred in Kentucky, um, purchased in uh, Kentucky by uh, I guess somebody from Europe. And he went over and he was in, they call them breeze-up shows there in France. And Justin bought him and then shipped him back to us here in the uh, U.S. And uh, thank goodness uh, Justin did a tremendous job finding him. I'm uh, forever grateful. What were your first thoughts when you started working with him and training him? Did you see that he would had this incredible potential to really be a, a super horse? And normally I would say most horses don't, um, but with him, so what happened was he flew from France to New, our New York division because he had to go through quarantine. And right from the start, um, my main guy there, my assistant, Jamie Begg, said after 10 days, he says, I think we have something special. Um, he then came to us at Saratoga. And when everybody would come around to see Wonder Gadot, um, I'd bring him out and say, you want to see a, a special horse? And pretty early on, I told Gary Barber, I said, we have another Wonder Gadot. Um, I think this horse is extremely special. So I, he's, he's kind of shown from the beginning that he was, you know, a special horse. Talk a, a little bit about the, the Derby debacle. Tell us a little bit about how your, what your feelings were. I know Norm, your son, said to you, oh, Dad, you're about to win the Derby. And then uh, kind of all hell broke loose. And thank God nobody got hurt. And, uh, and that's, I know you were so relieved. But talk a little bit about your feelings uh, about the Derby. A funny story. So we're watching our family. We get our family and friends. We watch from the uh, uh paddock because it's the only place we can all get together so we're watching on a big screen and norman at about the 5 16th pole in the middle of the turn he put his arm around me and said dad you're going to win the kentucky derby and then i call it the uh, the big event happened and when it happened i said extremely bad word and i looked up and there was a camera in my face and i thought oh my mom's going to be impressed by this uh, so I, I kind of lost focus for a little bit. And then, of course, he ranged up and he kept trying and, and we were excited. And um, 
you know, shortly after the race, was I disappointed? Of course I was a little disappointed, but I was just relieved and happy that he didn't fall because it was very, very close. And um, it could have been the biggest disaster in horse racing history. And so even though I was disappointed, I was so thankful for that those two things. And um, so I thought um, I never really... Well, what could have been? It just never occurred to me. I think it was more just, I'm just lucky that nothing happened. Absolutely. And actually, Steve Haskin, uh, the uh, Hall of Fame turf writer, said on the show that he was kind of amazed in 144 derbies that we haven't had some major incidents with 20 horses on the track and sometimes it's wet and sloppy and it's really amazing uh, that they they come out of it and we we don't have that we don't need that in the sport certainly um we never need it but uh, at the moment especially i think it's uh it's great when we see the big major races uh, run clean and nobody <laughs> nobody gets hurt i am um, you know we are we are for the most part dealing with some of the greatest jockeys and that that helps matters there are some things that churchill in my opinion need to do to make it a little safer the 20 horses is fine if you talk to the the big riders the johnny velasquez's the julian leperus they all say the 20 horses is fine you know in europe they run 20 all or plus all the time in hong kong and japan the key is um uh, i'm i'm trying to get and i hope we can convince churchill downs to do a little better job maybe make a 20 horse gate or if nothing else take the gap between the regular gate and the auxiliary gate if we could do that and then the other thing they do in europe and in um, hong kong japan is uh, riders are not allowed to change lanes for the first eighth of a mile if we could do those two things um it would be a safer derby um, they had nothing to do with anything uh, this year. Um, the 20 horses had about as much to do with the the incident as Lasix does with the horses breaking down in, in Santa Anita. So it's just, it's just it happened, um, but it had nothing to do with it. I still think, though I agree with you, I think for the fans, uh, if they see safety measures being put in place that are important, they at least know that that is a, a you know about most important to the people involved, and I do think that that matters. I agree with you. I think the more that we can do, that really is connected to safety. Unlike Lasics, um, I think I think that that's good for the sport and good for the fans, and especially under the scrutiny lately that that we've been under. You know, that's that to me is one of the frustrating things about um, what's going on. I I wish. I wish we could put a panel together of, you know, maybe some horsemen that have actually been in the, in the, behind the scene and, and understand it a little more. Unfortunately, we have people sometimes making decisions just based on, um, I don't know, what to make things look better. And, and, and that's not the way it should be. Um, the other thing I think we hopefully come out of this, um, I, I've said all along, there's no doubt the horse should have been disqualified. My disappointment lied in that I thought the stewards should have put the inquiry sign up as, as soon as they went across the wire. And I've said that for years, not just for the Derby, but for any race. We need to tell the fans, look, 
they're looking at it. And so if we have, it, it should not be up to the rider to claim foul. That was 75 years ago when we didn't have all the replays and everything. Um, there's two riders ride. I mean, the rider that may be claiming foul against me today may be riding for me tomorrow. And that puts them in a precarious situation and they shouldn't be put in that situation. So I hope two things. I hope we get a, a, a bigger gate. And I, I hope that maybe we have more inquiries throughout North America. I agree with you, and I think for the fans, had they seen the inquiry go up, I think it would have been less questioned than seeing the horse that ran second, jockey, putting it up. And I think that's where the fans really had an issue. That's where they felt that there was a, you know, a, a question. And I think if it had been put up by the stewards, there never would have been a question. It would have been the stewards calling an inquiry. I agree. And and what people don't realize is just because they hadn't put up the inquiry sign doesn't mean they weren't already looking. And I've seen on many occasions with a much smaller field and much, they may look for five minutes or three or four minutes and put the inquiry sign up. So who's to say it wasn't coming. That's where there's mis some misconception. Um, that doesn't mean just cause it didn't go up. Doesn't mean it wasn't coming. They, they had a lot to look at. They have a mile and a quarter, a lot of things going on. Um, so, I, I, I would hope ultimately they were going to, to put up the inquiry sign. I hope you enjoyed this segment, Best of the Best Reruns. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard, alfalfa. Enjoy. See you in the next segment. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the host talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is sponsored in part by Equisin. When visiting the horse capital of the world, you want to stay at a hotel that reminds you of what you love about Ocala, the horses. Stay tuned to this show for announcements about the renovations to be completed fall 2019 at the Equisin by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Equisin. This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All-In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. Great service, great quality, and the green choice too. Like All-In Removal on Facebook now or go to allinremoval.com for more information. Happy, healthy horses live in fly-free barns. Don't allow annoying flies and mosquitoes to cause disease and health issues getting between you and your horse's happiness and health. Get your fly misting system now from Acres Pest Control. With over 20 years of pest control experience, family owned, licensed and insured. Get your free inspection with Acres, the best for your Acres. Check them out now at acrespestcontrol.com. That's A-K-E-R-S pestcontrol.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton from the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best 
reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. This half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. What people don't realize is just because they hadn't put up the inquiry sign doesn't mean they weren't already looking. And I've seen on many occasions with a much smaller field, and they may look for five minutes or three or four minutes and put the inquiry sign up. So who's to say it wasn't coming? That's where there's some misconception. Um, that doesn't mean just because it didn't go up doesn't mean it wasn't coming. They, they had a lot to look at. They have a mile and a quarter, a lot of things going on. Um, so I, I, I would hope ultimately they were going to, to put up the inquiry sign because there was enough there that warranted it. But, um, yeah, people have the misconception about that. The good news is I've never seen anything like it. There's people talking about horse racing anywhere I go. Like we try to sit down maybe and have dinner or my wife and I, and, and I, and, and don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Cause I, I love talking about horse racing, but we'll have people, can we just ask you a question? You know, one of the questions was now if the horse that lost his rider in the Preakness had been first, would he have won? You know, and obviously we know that wasn't the case. And then of course, a lot of them thought since war of will got bothered the most that he should have been the winner and they just don't understand you know the process so uh it's good it's good they're talking um we were in winter park the other day i take my wife for uh mother's day we were looking and turned out somebody asked about we said something about i'd got my shoes in louisville and they said were you at the derby and they said well yeah kind of and they said what do you think and i mean these guys they know nothing about it which i think that's great for our sport I do. I agree. I think any good publicity, anything that people are talking about that kind of gets the social media going, makes people looking at racing. Maybe, maybe we get a few more fans just from the, the just from the drama, you know. <laughs> you know, it was a much said, and I know maybe the ratings were down some at the Preakness, but it still had the highest rating of any sporting event that day. Um, and then the betting was tremendous. So um, I think uh, nothing like a good story to get people paying attention and. and and hopefully our, the racing can build on that. You know, there's, of course, in the media, everybody wants to, to, to talk about the bad things and, and they pull bits and pieces, however they can make their story look the worse as the way they do it. And, and that's unfortunate, but that's life. That's not like the horse talk show, though, because we love horse racing and we spend a lot of time on the backside and we tell all the good stories about all the good people that are involved. And there is such a huge percentage. There's bad eggs in, in every sport and everything, uh, everywhere you go. But there's so many good people, grooms and trainers and riders and, and people who really love the horses. And that's what we try to share with, with our listeners. Yeah, and, and, and you do a wonderful job with that. And I would couldn't agree with you more. It doesn't matter in any sport in, in life, in any business, there's always going to be bad apples. And, and, and if you look hard enough, you can find a negative in most anything. So, um, another thing that I'm very proud of out of the Preakness, um, there were a lot of human stories that came from, um, you know, we had Sam, Samantha who works for us, Omar and, and, and I don't know if you got to see her video of when we won the Preakness, but it's, to me, it's priceless. It made me 
actually cry the first time I saw it. And you have to understand her passion and, and Omar, what a, just a fine young man. And, and what people don't understand is there's thousands of these type of people behind the scene that love their horses and, and, and love the business. And, you know, we want to, it, it's so much easier for the, these people to, um, you know, focus on the bad. Let's focus on the good. And I appreciate what you guys do. That's my job. I, I've shared stories of J.B. McCathen uh, kissing every horse in his barn and um, stories of Jimmy Barnes telling me I couldn't bring regular carrots to his barn. They had to be baby peeled. And, um, you know, people don't. I've been behind the scenes in, in all the sports, all the horse sports, and the care of the thoroughbreds behind the scenes at the racetrack is the best I've seen. They have the deepest bedded stalls, more comfortable than the bed I sleep in. They have the greenest, freshest looking hay. They have toys hanging outside the doors. They have baby baby organic carrots, peeled ones fed to them. They're groomed and shining. I mean, they have like, I, three, or four, they have like three or four people that take care of them every day. I mean, most butlers, um, you know, don't get that much care. And that's, that's, um, where the people just don't see it a lot of people and again if you want to look for negatives you can look for negatives in about anything um uh, but there's just so many positive there's so many things you know behind the scene i don't know if if the country or the states understand either how much money is generated by our sport and um i mean look at this look at this um, to sit there, I would say, you know, we probably just here in Ocala have, you know, with their kid the dependents, with the kids and the blacksmiths, the feed companies, everything, you know, hundreds of dependents that they all, all survive off of horse racing. And, and, um, I don't know if enough of that is understood. Well, you know, part of my day job at the CEP as director of equine engagement is to is to share that with, uh, you know, with our community, especially our non-horse community. And in 2015, the CEP commissioned a study that said the equine industry was worth $2.6 billion. Uh, that is a B, billion. And um, that's all the, um, all the different disciplines, all the breeds. But a big portion of that is is definitely you know attributed to the to the racehorse world to all the training and you know two-thirds of the horses in the starting gate in the derby uh, are usually are trained here by our trainers and go through a lot of our sales here at obs so a lot of people don't realize you know at the importance of the industry and what you guys do and uh, and one of the things i've been reading a, a whole bunch since the derby i i keep seeing is mark cassie is the classiest guy he didn't call a foul um, he could have, and he didn't, and um, and and he left the win up. Maximum Security ran a great race, regardless of the via. Um, and most people don't think that Lewis Sayers did that deliberately. And uh, and um, that was really a that really is, I think, going to go down in history as Mark Cassie's mo. That I I think that was a really classy move that you didn't, you and Tyler didn't try to bring the Wests down from from the win. Well, there's a you know. And I appreciate that. Um, um, you know, there, there was a lot of things behind the scene. Like I said, I think the inquiry should have been put up earlier. Um, I do believe the horse should have come down. Um, we didn't claim foul for a couple of reasons, but, um, you know, it's my job. It's my job as a trainer to, 
get do the best for my owner and and had it been a different situation and and we could have earned money for my owner well then then the the shoe it would have been different um but in this case it wasn't and, and so we chose to do that um but i <laughs> you know gary west um took some shots at our our um horse and my rider later on and it, it hurt and and i fired back because you're messing with my kids when you mess with uh my horse and then you mess with my rider and i mean tyler's like a son to me then i'm gonna fire back but thinking about it you know nobody knows what gary west went through to for a guy that's been in the game as long as he has and and to have it win it and then have it snatched away has to be so painful so i understand that i do and and in all i said this and i mean it if i can't win the kentucky derby next year i would hope gary west would because um it would be only fitting he deserves that um i just wish i wish if i had a wish i wish they would just drop things because i don't believe they're going to win I hope you enjoyed this segment, Best of the Best Reruns. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard, alfalfa. Enjoy. See you in the next segment. Acres Pest Control offers a variety of professional pest control services for farm owners, residential and commercial customers. Control pests, fire ants, mosquitoes, rodents and more. Also offering fly misting systems with speedy response, friendly service and effective pest control techniques. No contracts and affordable, effective pest control. Acres, A-K-E-R-S, is the best for your acres. Check them out now at acrespestcontrol.com. This show is brought to you in part by Tack Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars, and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple to be the leader in quality and value. Richard, owner of Larson Farms, is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. With your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of old right. Yes. <laughs> I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. 
here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're baling Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. The second half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. Well, there's, a, you know, and I appreciate that. Um, um, you know, there, there was a lot of things behind the scene. Like I said, I think the inquiry should have been put up earlier. Um, I do believe the horse should have come down. Um, we didn't claim foul for a couple of reasons, but, um, you know, it's my job. It's my job as a trainer to get, do the best for my owner. And, and had it been a different situation and, and we could have earned money for my owner, well then, then the, the shoe, it would have been different. Um, but in this case it wasn't. And, and so we chose to do that. Um, but I, <laughs> You know, Gary West um, took some shots at our our um, horse and my rider later on, and it, it hurt. and And I fired back because you're messing with my kids when you mess with uh, my horse, and then you mess with my rider. And I mean, Tyler's like a son to me. Then I'm gonna fire back. But thinking about it, you know, nobody knows what Gary West went through to for a guy that's been in the game as long as he has and, and to have it win it and then have it snatched away has to be so painful. So I understand that I do. And, and in all, I said this and I mean it, if I can't win the Kentucky Derby next year, I would hope Gary West would because, um, it would be only fitting. He deserves that. Um, I just wish I wish if I had a wish, I wish they would just drop things because I don't believe they're going to win. Um, the horse deserved to be disqualified. And at some point in time, you know, if, if we let if if the stewards let that happen this time, what, what can happen next time? There has to be rules and regulations. And, um, like I said, we were inches. It could have been disastrous. So, um, like I said, I, 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 I can't feel Gary West's pain because I've never been there, but I understand his frustration, and, and I do. I, I hope, and it's not long in the future, that Gary West can win his own Kentucky Derby and, and, and have that enjoyment again. I agree, and I, I you know, I think, um, I, I think that if there's anything can be said on the positive side for it, um, for the sport, is that in the future, I don't think any jockey is ever going to risk uh, any kind of infraction, accident or otherwise, I think will that will change because now they know there's a standard. It's kind of set now that you're not going to be able to veer or, or or do anything that's even questionable and still win the Derby. And nobody wants to win the Derby and then be taken down, right? No, and and you know those those rules and regulations are there for the safety of the horse and the the safety of the riders. I I later saw a. Um, a picture of when the collision happened and, and, um, or almost went down and there right behind him is Jose Ortiz. 
looking at it all. And, and I just two or three weeks, maybe three weeks ago, Jose and his wife were here watching horses train and their two kids. And those kids could have been fatherless. I mean, if a war wheel goes down, who's to say that Jose doesn't go down and, and I mean, the worst could have happened. And, and so I think about that a lot and, and, and we can't have that happen. And whether, whatever reason, uh, maximum security veered out, it is Lewis's job to keep him straight. And when he didn't do that, there's, there's some, a price to be paid and, and we can't let those things happen. Um, interesting enough, um, Bob, Bob Baffert is my hero. I love Bob Baffert. Um, Bob and I talk all the time and, and I, I read and heard what he said. And, and, um, I said, Bob, I told him to his face in front of Jill. I said, Bob, you're my hero, but even heroes can be wrong. And, um, I don't even think they, I don't really believe that Bob should have even been asked that question. Um, you know, obviously he trains for the West and it wasn't fair to ask him that question. So, um, but I love Bob. I do. He's, um, he's a class act. And, um, to me, it's not even close. The greatest trainer that I've ever been around or ever seen. And, and one of the greatest of all time. So talk about the Preakness. Um, you got post number one again, like you did in the Derby, which isn't as big a deal in the Preakness as it is in the Derby, but it, it's still not necessarily, uh, be your first pick. Uh, a couple of years ago, Classic Empire almost won the Preakness and just got nosed out just a little bit. Um, you're kind of almost seeing an action replay in the Preakness of uh, of your horse, War of Will, coming out of one. And um, before the, the the rail opened and, and Tyler got in the perfect spot, what were your thoughts? Was it like, I want to cover my face and not watch this race? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I thought after we drew the one hole, uh, I thought maybe that in the one thing that bothered Warwell more than anything uh, in the Derby was that w he was too eager. Um, that being said, he was still, when the incident happened, he was in a position to make maximum security run. It was going to be very interesting. I, I would never sit there and say that we would have won. Um, because I, I don't think anybody knows that. I I would find it highly unlikely that we didn't finish first, second, or third. So the incident definitely cost um, Gary Barber a very large sum of money. I don't know if people know, but even second is $600,000. Um, but I thought when we drew the one hole, uh, it, we had to learn from that. And, and so we, we, we um, I called... Um, Tyler up on Friday and I said, Tyler, I want to talk to you. And I said, I want you to warm our horse up a different way. I want you to just do some jogging, let him be quiet. And I said, if those guys want to go for the lead, then I just want you to settle behind them and, um, run them down. And, um, about the middle of the turn, I was having flashbacks of the Derby and I, and, and, and the thing is, you know, here's a young rider that I have the utmost uh, confidence in. He could have panicked, but he didn't. He, he held his ground, he waited, and sure enough, it opened up, and he came, he came through there, and, and the rest is history. Now, down the lane, about the last 16th of mile, 8th of mile, 
I was having some flashbacks of classic empire because I thought he was going to win and he got caught late. So if anybody saw me on the, uh, the video of them, why I was looking, what I was doing, I was on the turf course. So I was looking at him run and then I would look to try to see where exactly we, how far we were in front. So you can see me going back and forth. Um, so, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to believe it until he went across the wire. So you, you've won at Ascot, uh, you've had some incredible horses, you've won Breeders' Cups, you've, uh, you've uh, had an incredible career at Woodbine, you've, you've raced some amazing horses in your career. Uh, what was it like to win your first uh, one of the three Triple Crown races to get a classic, American classic, and, and you, I saw your face afterwards on the, because they always get you close up right afterwards, you know, and I, I said, I think Mark's going to cry, and I almost did, and I've wanted to see you win one of these three for a long time. What was, what was going through your head? I, I came extremely close to crying. Um, I know that I've never hugged my wife like I hugged her. Um, that, I mean, I just, I don't know. It was like maybe a relief. Um, with so much that's went on with Wara Will. And I've been saying for a long, long time how great he is and, and believe me, there's been some curveballs thrown at us, some things. Um, but I never, never gave up on him. And and um, you know, it, I was asked shortly after, was this the biggest win? And and I didn't say yes at that point in time. But with after a few days and much thought, um, it's number one. I hope you enjoyed this segment, Best of the Best Reruns. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard, alfalfa. Enjoy. See you in the next segment. The Equine Performance Center Opala with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show is brought to you in part by New Millennium Realty. Owner and broker Brian Cox loves this community and wants to help you find your place in the horse capital of the world. Like them on Facebook or find them at allfarmsmatter.com. New Millennium Realty, the future of real estate. This show is brought to you in part by Horse Boxes USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxes USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. Visit them at JJ Tax Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at horseboxesusa.com. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. 
I'm Louisa Barton from the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're baling Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. The second half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Copperline Farm in Citra, just north of Ocala, the horse capital of the world. I'm here with Sinead Halpin and Tick Maynard. We're going to do a little mini-series at home with Tick and Sinead. We're going to start out with Sinead and find out a little bit about her childhood, growing up around horses, and kind of what brought her to where she is in the horse world today. Sinead, tell us a little bit about growing up. Um, well, um I'm daughter of Bernadette and Eamon, so I had a very Irish upbringing, even though we were in the States. And my mom grew up in the uh, country in Ireland, so she always had horses. And when I was a little kid, I kind of did the typical, I want a pony, I want a pony, and it just stuck. And it, actually, my mom was really excited to have horses back in our lives again. So I started taking lessons, and then my mom and I got an off-the-track thoroughbred that we shared, named Star. Um, and I just never quite put it down. Now, when you started out, were you just kind of playing around with ponies for fun or did you get really serious uh, into competing young? Yeah, I, I actually was part of our local 4-H and our pony club. And through 4-H, we got to do um, our local. I grew up in South Carolina, so we had a local ballpark. And that we had competitions every Tuesday night. Um, so we would do everything from Western to jumping to dressage. Uh, and so I always competed and then kind of clicked over into PSJ, Progressive Show Jumping, which actually I think is still around, um, and did uh, a bit of hunter-jumper stuff. And then switched over to eventing when I was about 13 or 14. And what kind of drew you towards uh, towards the eventing? Um, I, I, we had a local event at the time and I just the cross country, just watching the horses go cross country, I thought was amazing. And I had a really cool pony at the time and I thought that looked way more fun than just trotting around in the ring. Um, and my mom really liked the culture of it. She was big into fox hunting. So she uh, leaned towards that a little bit more than the, the hunter show circuit. So, it's, I mean, the first event, we just were both hooked. So a lot of support from your family. Yeah, yeah. Very, very supportive family. My dad was a builder and um, ultimately, actually, in high school, he ended up building a big boarding facility. So we lived over the boarding barn and we had 16 stalls and um, and we had a, a barn we rented across the street. So I did stalls in the morning and then went to school and then came home and rode. And so it was really great. It was a really fun upbringing. So you, you had the work ethic as well, not just the get on a made pony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of my parents are incredibly hard workers. So that was always, I, I, I rarely got told I couldn't do something, but I rarely got told how to do it. They just said, if you can do it, do it. That's fine. And if we were going to have horses, we were all going to chip in and be mucking out the stalls. When my parents actually first um, immigrated here from Ireland, they worked at the, they worked doing anything they could to make a living. And they actually worked at Kentucky Horse Park cleaning out stalls at Kentucky Horse Park. So, um, yeah, so there, we're a family of workers. <laughs> Let's uh, switch over to Tick. Tick, um, tell us, uh, I'm actually going to pass you the mic because uh, it'll be a better stretch, right? It is. Um, tell us a little bit about your childhood. I know you have some pony club background, uh, mum doing dressage, dad show jumper. 
Well, I grew up in Vancouver, which is on the west coast of Canada. And, uh, you know, I, I was in Pony Club for a long time, from the time that I was six years old to the time that I was 21. It's a long time in Pony Club, you know, for anybody that's that's done that, they'll, they'll maybe recognize what a feat th that was to, to do that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, both my parents evented in the 1970s before I was born. And then when they had kids, I've got two brothers. Uh, when they had kids, they both kind of took a step back from eventing. And my dad got more into show jumping. And my mom got more into dressage. And she's, uh, you know, she's a dressage judge now. And she also does the para-equestrian dressage judging. And my dad switched over and started doing the show jumping and the Grand Prix. And uh, one of my favorite memories from growing up is every summer going with him to Spruce Meadows. Uh, if there's any show jumpers, you know, out there, then they'll know about Spruce Meadows. It's one of the best show jumping venues in the world. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd help him with the horses or go watch, but also, you know, being a little kid, I'd go out and play in the hay bales. I remember hundreds and hundreds of hay bales and would go and climb along them. And we're lucky we didn't get killed, like falling between the cracks of them, you know. Um, and then, uh, and then as I got a little bit older, uh, I started riding more and more myself. I, you know, I got my A in Pony Club. Uh, I started doing more dressage uh, with my mom and more show jumping with my dad. And I didn't really get uh, into eventing at all when I was a kid. You know, we grew up, you know, in a, in a part of town where there wasn't a lot of land. Uh, so we, all the time when we rode, it was in the ring. You know, we never got out, you know, like how Sinead's mom did and, got, and went fox hunting. That wasn't a thing where I grew up at all. And then uh, it wasn't until my mid-20s that I went and I experienced, you know, galloping around on a big cross-country course for the first time. And it was one of the most vivid memories I have of riding in my, my entire life. Like if you've been in a ring your whole life and then you get out on that cross-country course for the first time, it's just like, it just gives you a freedom and an exhilaration like you've never had before. And I was, I came off and I just had the biggest smile. And since then I've done a lot of eventing and, you know, and that's how I met Sinead for the first time was through eventing, you know, and a lot of the friends I have now and the hobbies and the horses and, you know, just, it's even the reason why I live here in Ocala now. Ocala is such a great place for eventing. It really is. And uh, I brought your wonderful book along oh, okay. here. <laughs> we had Ferdinand with us here for a minute. He may come back over if you want to see the puppy. Um, we are going to carry on this series and um, in the very next uh, segment that we're going to do with them, we're going to talk a little bit about how they met and uh, and the romance. So uh, make sure you tune in the Horse Talk Show with Louisa Barton. I hope you enjoyed this segment, Best of the Best Reruns. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're bailing Idaho's finest orchard, alfalfa. Enjoy. See you in the next segment. This show was brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. 
This show is sponsored in part by Innova Wellness Spa, committed to providing the best, most advanced options available in the beauty and wellness for their valued patients. Find them on the web at InnovaWellnessSpa.com or like them on Facebook now to learn more about their non-invasive aesthetic enhancement procedures for the most amazing results. This show is sponsored in part by Hilton Garden Inn. Downtown Louisville, only five miles from Churchill Downs, enjoy the two most exciting minutes in sports, plus a hearty breakfast and a mimosa, and let Hilton Garden Inn do the rest. Book for Derby 2020 now! Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Larson Farms in Idaho, where they're baling Idaho's finest orchard alfalfa. I'm not in the studio this week, so you're getting the best of the best reruns. I'll be back in the studio next week with lots of footage from this trip to Larson Farms in Idaho. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. The second half of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show, here with Dr. Alberto Rian at EPIC, Equine Performance and Innovative Center. And um, some incredible therapies here, whether it's to complement what you're already doing with your veterinarian, whether you're a patient of Dr. Rian's and you'd like to see faster recovery. There are lots of alternatives here. It's incredible. Actually, I'm thinking we need one of these for people here in Ocala. Um, I'm going to let Dr. Rian tell us about some of the other therapies that we haven't discussed yet. Um, one of those being MagnaWave that I've personally personally uh, actually had that therapy for my horse and seen it to be very effective, as well as the vibration plate. Dr. Rian, tell us about some of the additional therapies available. Yes, Luisa. Um, we have, in addition to the ones we've discussed, in addition to the salt water spa, hyperbaric chamber, aqua treadmill, we have the magna wave, like you mentioned. And the magna wave was actually researched back in the days by space investigators, by the NASA, did a lot of research on the magna wave. And they were trying to figure out how to regenerate nerves. That's how, that's, most of the research comes from there. And it's a beautiful machine. We, what we found out is that not just for helping for nerve issues, but it also helps for muscle. And some of the most successful cases we have had with it is when we use it in complement with other with other machines. For example, a horse that is having a lot of muscle, let's say a horse is laminitic and cannot put a lot of weight on the front end. So what that horse is gonna do is gonna put a lot of weight on the hind end, right? And by putting a lot of weight on the hind end, they actually will start getting weak. And we have found out the mana wave works great by getting those muscles to recover fast and to get those blood vessels, go get those uh, muscles stimulated. And you almost can see, and you have, you have seen some of these videos where you can almost see a horse completely going from a muscle fatigue to a horse that is starting to move better and better and better all the way out until they're walking normal. And it's very interesting and very amazing how we can get those with the help 
of the magna wave. We use it a lot in back pain, and uh, you're gonna find tons of controversy with this treatment. Why? Because there's not a lot of control studies where there's not a lot. Someone hasn't put a hundred horses with back pain in treatment, and then a hundred horses with just magna wave treatment. Usually it doesn't happen. So we don't have that that research data. And unfortunately, a lot of it is anecdotal, right? What we have learned with experience. So, but what we have seen with experience is that it actually helps with back pain as well. So if a horse, that's why you see a lot of horses that come here and they just come here for magna wave and an aqua pacer. They are working to go to the battle race show or to go to a dressage show or a group hit and they come here, they get Aquapacer, they get the Magna Wave, and then they go. And they come and they do it three or four times a week because they see the benefit on how that horse gets stronger in the Aquapacer, right? And decreases the back pain also by using the Magna Wave. Incredible. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about the vibration plate. Vibration plate, um, interesting also the, the research behind it. In people, if you research vibration plate, you're going to see... I've been on one at my chiropractor's office. In the phone? <laughs> yes. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, you, you, you actually feel good afterwards. Yes. I, I have a friend who was a jockey who he fell from a horse and right almost at the, at the, right almost at the end line, at the finish line. He felt his body flip became a, a, a zero, right? His body just completely inverted on his column and his vertebra splice in half. Oh my goodness. This guy went to surgery and ended up in chronic pain. He's, he obviously was in, in bed, in wheelchair, and he was in chronic pain for the longest time. He couldn't get a job riding, but his life was a racetrack. So the only job that he was able to have was to hold horses. It happens that at the barn where he was, the his job was to hold horses in the vibration plate. <laughs> he had no idea what would happen, but he would get on the horses with the vibration plate. He would get on, he would get on the vibration plate with the horses. Holding the horse. Holding the horse. And he started moving a little bit. And then you saw, you saw him later and he was moving a little more. And then he kept improving, improving, and the results was amazing. He was able to bend over. He was able, you would see him walking around the sails, normal. He had a really, really great recovery. Oh my God. A complete incidental finding. And I know that's, that's a case of one, but that would sparkle my interest on it. And then after that, I experienced it with horses. I started reading, what do they do? What's proven out there that it does? Well, there's some, some data is proven, for example, one. A vibration plate in a horse that has been resting for a very long time will help prevent bone loss. That, that, that's already proven. Um, there's some data whether it helps growing hoof growth. Um, that data, some people debated, some people don't, but some, peop some people have seen some results with it. And there's also some data that it says it improves your back muscle. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't think about it, but they put horses in a vibration plate and then they measured the thickness of some back muscles and it actually improved, wow. made, it, made them bigger. So obviously there's some benefits about it and more research is starting to come and it's going to keep coming. But 
basically I have a horse here that is supposed to, it's going to be quote-unquote store rest because of a fracture or a real bad tendon or ligament that the horse is going to significantly decrease his movement. I put on the vibration plate to help prevent the bone loss and help that tendon to start to start getting more circulation, to get it stimulated. I was going to say circulation is a big part of it, right? Yes, it's just, it, it has been very difficult to prove how much it, incre it increases circulation. It's, it's a theory, but for those of us who use it every day, we're pretty confident it does. We just haven't been able to, to prove it yet with a, with a probe and, and a research, control research um, scenario. scenario. But right. the, the anecdotal cases of the thousands of horses that we see every year going through, it's pretty amazing. Wow, so you've seen some really good results. We use it, we a have- a variety of correct, horses. Correct, correct. Because, especially because we put horses there that are supposed to be in stall rest, not moving, and in theory, those horses are supposed to be losing bone loss. Right. Um, excuse me, losing bone, so right. suffering from bone loss. Mm -hmm. So if they actually not losing the bone loss, the bone that they were supposed to be losing, then it's working, right? Right. Yeah. And it is evident when you put a horse that it has a soreness and you've been putting it for a whole month and you see the horse walking a little better, that's also enough evidence that it's actually, right. it helps a little bit. Absolutely. Right? Now, interval treatments on that, what would you recommend? I'm sure it varies from case to case, but... We actually do 20 to 30 minutes a day. Really? I have a, I have a client that has a vibration plate, and she puts a vibration plate far away, and the horse just goes and step on it <laughs> because he loves how it feels, just because he loves how it feels. Yes. So very therapeutic. Very, very therapeutic. Very therapeutic mm -hmm. and great for horses that maybe are... Um, locked down literally in the yes. stall because they can't do very yes. much due to an injury. Yep. Um, able to get them out and give them that movement uh, and improve circulation, obviously, because when you're standing in a stall, right. uh, that's something that's going to be affected a lot. So, um, so overall, great results with um, both MagnaWave and the vibration plate. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Like great complementary therapy. As a matter of fact, sometimes we have a horse in the vibration plate getting MagnaWave. Wow, <laughs> wonderful. Very, very so put the two things that, together. That's right. Wonderful. And, and, and overall, your results with probably thousands of horses uh, with a combination of the two, very we, effective. Um, I believe we did 300 and some horses last year. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Alberto Rian, a miracle performer here at EPIC. I think EPIC fits uh, very well to describe this center and all that he can do uh, for your horse. As I said, whether you're already treating your horse and you want to complement with these services or uh, if you want to come here as a patient and your horse can actually get conditioning uh, and therapeutic treatments for better overall health. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show.